Hey, everybody. Welcome to a Community of Principles podcast, a conversation to support leaders. I'm your host, Ben Gilpin. Now, let's get this started. MEMSPA crew, we are back at it. Uh, really excited. First off, uh, I'm your host, Ben Gilpin, and this is season six of the Community of Principles podcast. And I really love season six because we are talking about the next generation of leaders. We're talking about growing leaders. And one of the reasons that this really came up was I, from an administrative seat, have heard people say, I would never want your job. I've heard people say that, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't want people to be fearful of administration and leadership. And so that's why in season six, we are really pointing to the next generation of leaders and taking that next step. And what does that look like? And that brings me to today's guest. We have with us Brian Kay. And Brian, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Ben. Like I First, I got to acknowledge, first time on a podcast, but I couldn't be more thrilled and excited to talk with you and just kind of share a little bit about my story. So thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you on and we're going to find out your story exactly. And also, you know, as a first timer to a podcast, hopefully I make this pretty seamless for you. I know that we've had people that are listening to this. The Memspa podcast is their one and only podcast. And if that's the way it is, great. If you venture out and do others, fantastic as well. And and make sure you tag me if you're going to put that on social media. I'd love to listen to it as well. So, Brian, you were up in the Traverse City area, correct? Yep. So I uh, born and raised in Michigan. My roots are downstate, but I happened to move midway through middle school and have like a strong attachment to northern Michigan, in particular Traverse City. It's always been home base. My family's bounced around quite a bit, but yeah, Traverse City is home. Okay, so you're you're in Traverse City, and and you've been there since middle school. You're a northern type of guy, I guess. Before we jump into some of the the career end pieces, what are I mean? I would assume you must love the outdoors if you're up in Traverse City. What about so? What about family life and and some of your hobbies and interests? Yeah, so I grew up downstate in uh, Troy, Michigan. So connection down there, but my my passion when I was growing up was hockey. So that's how I got connected with buddies and friends and things like that. So grew up playing hockey. When I moved to northern Michigan in middle school, it was like a perfect connection for me to find friends and find my sense of belonging with others. And so my love of hockey just continued on that way, too. And that's how I um, connected with, with people here in Traverse City and actually have really close friends as well. I've also lived in Colorado, Saline. So my family's kind of traversed all over the place, Ohio as well, but um, I've always gravitated uh, back to Traverse City. Yeah, not afraid of taking the leap, yep. but also you know where your roots take you. So well said. Yeah. Okay, Travis, let's let's shift a little bit more on the professional side of things. Mm-hmm. Where are you currently, and how did you get there? Yeah, so I'm at Traverse Heights Elementary School at TCAP, so Traverse City Area Public Schools. I've been with TCAPs about eight or nine years now. So this is my third year at Traverse Heights. I can certainly say this is my spot. This is where I truly feel I'm meant to be and just feel so good about the things that we're doing here at at Traverse Heights, at TCAPs in general. How I got here, though, I started as a Sparty. Uh, Michigan State is my school. I literally bleed green like love that school my parents went there grandparents went there my brother my sister my uncle so i'm a spartan for sure 
I took my first teaching uh, position that was offered to me in Denver, Colorado. So I, I moved out to Colorado for a few years and actually met my eventual wife and spent a few years teaching out there, just kind of honing in on my craft. When some positions op- opened up in Traverse City, my wife and I are both from Michigan. We thought, you know, now is the time we're young, but we also want to start a family and, and settle our roots. And we decided, you know, if we're, we're coming back home to Michigan, we're coming to Traverse City. And so that's kind of how, how things worked out. We got our professional start in Denver together, actually didn't know each other until we moved to Denver. Both went to Michigan State and just found each other through different connections and things like that. So that's in a nutshell, kind of how things started teaching wise. I became more interested in leadership and principalship and how I can make a, a bigger impact. And that's, I, I learned a little bit at West Middle School, which is in TCAPS as well um, as an assistant principal. And when the position opened up at Traverse Heights, I was like, that's my spot. That's where I'd love to be. And so that's where I've been the past three years, too. Okay. So that, I mean, that does kind of come full circle. You're, you know, you're, you're out West, you come back, you did reference your wife. I'm curious, is she an educator as well? Yes, she is. I would say one of the most, if not the most incredible educators I've been able to just learn from. In fact, we met out in Colorado. I learned from her there, her first year teaching, she was running PDs and professional developments and things like that. So just so impressive. She's so smart helps keep me on track, helps give me ideas and bounce ideas off of. She's been a teacher, a coach, and now she's a literacy consultant for our ISD too. So, Well, clearly you married up. So well done on your Absolutely. And like funny quick story, like we took our first job in TCAPS or in Traverse City. We taught side by side for several years too. She was the grade level below me. So she certainly, you know, helped teach those kids. So then I was helping mold those minds in, in the next grade level too. So it was a, it was a fun connection for a few years. Boy, I like that. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that kind of, it, you, you know, you shared a little bit of question number one was kind of what spurred you into, into leadership and you, you already answered a piece of that. So I think, you know, kind of going right into question two is what do you believe from your seat? What are the most critical areas to being an educational leader? Yeah, I think there's so many things. I know you had mentioned like the theme of this season is like, oh, I wouldn't want your job. I love my job. There are so many challenges to it, but the way I I feel like I can be successful is with relationships. I know educators talk about that with our students. That's paramount, but also relationships, I think, with our staff, with our families and with community members. If you don't have positive relationships with those folks, it's going to be hard to have an impact at your school or in your classroom, in your district, in your community. And so that to me is like, is paramount, right? And so that takes time. It's built um, not in a day, right? It it takes a lot of time in in a year three in, in the spot I'm at currently. Like, I feel like there's been a lot of moments building those relationships, building those bridges with family members, students, and staff. And so like, now I can kind of see the, the bigger impact of if those, you know, uh, moments with, with others. And so I have a good buddy, Ben Berger. Shout out to Ben Berger at our district, too, who has framed like the principal role. You, you have a lot of these drive through moments. Right. And I think another popular name out there in education, Joe Sanfilippo, too, has talked about these 30 second moments. Right. Like our positions, we are working with kids. You know, kid comes into the office. We've got 
10 minutes. We got to work with them. We have to make a phone call. We've got to, you know, be out in car line or be in the hallway. And so I just think it's so important, like with those 30 seconds that you have, that they're positive and that they're impactful. And so just being really mindful with those phone calls, when you're in car line, how do you interact with people? How are you building those relationships? And I constantly go back to the question, you know, if a stranger came into our building and I was talking with a student in the hallway, you know, what might they say about our school? How would they say my interaction impacts our school? Because essentially what we do as leaders bleeds to the whole school, right? So like what we do with our relationships with those 30 seconds is so important. So what, uh, I think Ben Berger coined that term, like drive, we have so many drive-through moments. And I think Joe Sanfilippo says that too. It's like, what are we going to do with those 30 seconds? And so I really cherish the moments I'm with, you know, parents on the phone or in an IEP, or I'm in the hall talking to a kid who's having a tough time, like just trying to find those ways to build relationships because it is a lot harder in our seats sometimes because we only have those 30 seconds. But I think those interactions lead to some pretty deep relationships. And I would say that's, that's number one relationships. Right. And then as I, this is my 13th year in education. The other big one is authenticity. So like being yourself is, is so important. And I would consider myself somewhat of an introvert, you know, someone who, doesn't necessarily like sharing a lot about myself or what we're doing, but I've, I've learned like you got to take risks and you got, you have to be yourself. And so that I would say is, is really paramount to like modeling that for others, taking risks, being yourself and bringing your passion to your work is so important or else impact isn't, isn't going to make it, isn't going to happen if you're faking it. So it's true. So is that, so, so I got to jump in real quick. So you've mentioned, you mentioned Ben Berger, you mentioned Joe Sanfilippo. Is that a little bit, a little bit of Brene Brown? Brene Brown's in there too. I mean, there's so many people I've learned from and taken from. Yeah, absolutely. Brene Brown is one that, you know, I'm listening to watching or reading about too. And like part of that is the sense of belonging, but also being vulnerable Right. Like as leaders, I think that's one of the biggest traits that a leader could have is like owning up to a mistake. Like, oof, I missed that. I messed that up. Let me show you how we could fix that, because I think the big thing I talked to and I don't know if you can see behind me on my board, it says mistakes. I've got six of them today. I show kids all the time like, hey, I'm a principal. I'm also a human. Right. I make mistakes. And I think that's really important for kids to know, for staff to know and families to know, like, I will certainly, if, if something's not right, I will definitely address and say, hey, that was my bad. And I think there's a level of vulnerability that is so important in leadership to show it's okay to make mistakes, but how we respond to those mistakes. And that just starts with being yourself, being open, being authentic. And it's, it's taken a while in my journey, but that, I mean, I'm just being myself and trying to be my best self each day. Yep. I, and I love that. I, you know, you would, you really mentioned some really that, that right there, just answering that question, there's so much gold in there that I think so many people in MEMSPA and beyond can learn from and, and take away from. But really, you know, to summarize, 
You know, you talked about being yourself, which we all would want to be, just be ourselves. And and the other part is, you know, you looking at those 30 second moments, looking at that drive, that drive through mentality, there's an eagerness and, an, and a freshness to every single interaction. And I really think that comes down hugely to attitude. And so I applaud you for that. I would also say, you know, as you talked about Brene Brown and you talked about Joe Sanfilippo, what I can see from afar is you're a learner. You're constantly learning. And and I know from a leadership seat myself is we can't ever stop. And we don't want anybody to stop. But I just know from a leadership standpoint, you you can't stop. It's just um, ultimately it's just not allowed. And so I can hear that in what you're sharing as well. So thank you for that. Yeah, I agree with that too. And like bringing your own passions to work. I know you had mentioned sports I'm a big sports guy myself and like sharing about yourself and what you are passionate about, I think can change, you know, the feel of, of the school too. And so that for me, like being authentic, be yourself, bring your passions, share your passions, show your energy and your excitement. And it, it does, it just has a ripple effect across your entire school, your district or wherever you may be working. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Brian, shifting a little bit, let's uh, tell our, our audience, what are two things most people don't know about Brian? And you've actually shared quite a bit. You've shared uh, your some of your cross-country travels. You've shared that you're a hockey guy. We know that your wife uh, is also an educator as well. You've given us some insight into Brian, but what are two things most people wouldn't know? Man, that's a great question. I would say like the first thing, I mean, maybe not, I mean, my close friends certainly know this, maybe not everyone. I am a huge fantasy football fanatic. And I will say my close buddies are probably, if they were to ever listen to this, would be chuckling because I'm not very good at it. But I absolutely love it. We've had this league since I was in college at Michigan State. It's evolved over the years, but the the people have remained the same. And it is just such a a fun time on a Sunday afternoon to be texting one another. I mean, we're in close contact anyways, but this just brings us even closer together. We like to rag on each other. We like to have fun. And fantasy football is just kind of my release in a way too. Like, hey, this is, you know, it's out of my control. I can't control what so-and-so does on a Sunday afternoon, but it's fun to cheer for. It's fun to be a part of it. And I think the best part is like our buddies, since, you know, we were in college, we're still close, even though we live you know, two, three, four, or across country, we still are in constant communication with one another. Fantasy, just, you know, the topic we talk about a lot, so. So, so that's, it goes right back to what you said earlier, relationships. Oh, yeah. The relational piece. But also, and, and I would actually say, you know, you mentioned fantasy football, but I feel like people could put in blank. There's a part of all of us that we need a, a distraction. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, some type of a release and a getaway, and and so for you on a Sunday afternoon, you've got a little bit, a little bit of a built-in distraction just to kind of let your mind settle before the week starts. So I think that's a great thing. And I've got to mention it's not just a Sunday thing. I mean, there's Monday night football, there's Thursday night, we got Saturday <laughs> night, we got wild card. I mean, the, and the crazy thing about our league, I won't go too much into detail and bore people, but it's a dynasty league. So like our league never stops. You get one roster, you keep it forever. So you don't get to draft a new team every year. And so that's what keeps it fun and, and interesting, too. But I would say that's that's one thing many people don't know. I know I mentioned this before, but uh, my beautiful wife, Brittany, she's the best educator, most intelligent educator I've ever met. She is my rock. She helps me become a better, not just professional, but I would say 
parent and dad. And so I've got two sons, George and Archie. We just welcomed Archie to this world a a short two months ago. So congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. It's super exciting. And um, he's doing really well. His older brother, George, who's almost four, is, is being a great big brother. And so many of my close friends and colleagues obviously know, but people on the podcast don't. Um, I'm a big family guy too. And uh, my wife is certainly a huge help in just growing me as a professional, but also pushing me as a parent and as a dad. And, and I couldn't be more proud to to be a dad and a parent. And I feel like there's so many parallels to that in principalship or teaching and education. And so becoming a parent and a dad several years back has just kind of opened my eyes to like, parenting's hard. It's not easy. So it gives you like more context to the families you're working with. And when you, when tough things are going on, I can definitely relate. And so that I think has certainly helped a lot in my profession and conversations with parents. Like I get it, man. I got, I have two young kids too. And like, I had to make some phone calls at eight o'clock last night and I'm apologizing like, Hey, I didn't get to it. Cause I had to rush home and help out my two month old and my three and a half year olds trying to play hockey downstairs. And so I I think that's been helpful too. So Brian, I'm curious in any way has becoming a dad made you a better educator? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I think you just have a different perspective. Not that I didn't have somewhat of a perspective, like when I was a classroom teacher and I was leading eight and 10 year olds, but you just have a different different view on things when you become your own parent and you're tasked with growing this human and developing and teaching and you know holding them accountable that I think when you see a parent, especially a parent maybe having a really hard time or their son or daughter is having a really hard time, you kind of put yourself in their shoes. And not that, you know, we, we don't hold folks accountable and work on things and, and support, but I think that is it's been an eye-opening thing over the past four years of, you know, how, how can I help support that person who's having a tough time? Um, knowing what I know as a parent, how can I, you know, share those things? And that's been, that's been uh, I think, a really positive thing for me. Really good. Really good. So, okay, that brings us really to our last question. And, you know, so kind of in your final thoughts, in the final, like, last couple minutes of the show, if someone was out there and either, A, they are they're thinking about um, uh, taking the next step in leadership or B, maybe they, maybe they've just started there and, and they're, um, they're getting their feet wet in leadership. What would you say to someone about um, really, you know, if you think about that, what would be the advice that you would give on someone thinking about being a leader? Well, I think if, if anyone's like contemplating, should you be a leader? I mean, you already are in your own position. You're leading, right? By, by what you do, by what you say. But if you are thinking of becoming an administrator or taking the next step, superintendent, all those sorts of things, I would say do it. And so like the big thing is taking risks in life. And I think that's so important. And I've learned in education, it's important to take risks, right? And so when I was a classroom teacher, if I just did the same boring thing each day, and I didn't take risks for my kids, one, it wouldn't be very exciting. It wouldn't be very fun. And also, two, maybe learning couldn't be as meaningful. And so I would encourage anyone, if you're contemplating to take a leadership role, put yourself out there. And I also would say, too, putting yourself out there is hard. It's not easy. Kind of go back to that vulnerability piece. But also know you're not alone. Like, I think the principal role can be pretty 
you know, you can feel alone sometimes in that, like you're, you're making all those decisions, you're by yourself, but know that you're not perfect, right? We all make mistakes, but you need to lean on other people. Um, you can't do it alone. And so I think a lot of, in my career, when I was first teaching or when I was first, even at this building in the past three years, like I wanted to do a lot on my own, right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But you have to be able to lean on others for support or else you can't survive. You're not, you're going to burn out. So you just can't do things alone. Like if you have to reach out to a colleague, you have to reach out to your staff. You need to lean on other people to help you through it and help you make an impact on those that you're working with or else it's going to be a really difficult journey for you. So that's been something that's been super helpful as a principal, like, having leadership teams, having adults at our building, like all of the staff, we are such a collective unit and I trust any single one of them because they're so skilled and we just trust each other and have have built those relationships over time. But if you're not feeling like you have that either in your building or your position or with colleagues, I would also say I I got connected with you through MEMSPA, right? Like conferences, I've never really attended those until this year social media. There are so many ways to connect with people. And even if you don't have a question about something or you're not wondering, I still would push people to take a risk and just connect because you're going to learn a lot more than if you're trying to do everything by yourself. And so that's been a big, big learning thing for me. It's like, hey, I I need to lean on others for support for ideas. I certainly can't do it all. And so I would say take the risk and then lean on other people for sure. And I, and I think you're spot on with that, you know, taking a chance, taking a risk. What I would say to the experienced principals out there that happen to be listening in, empowering people into their their next step is also very gratifying as well. So if you're an experienced principal and you're out there and you've got a handful of years under your belt and you've got a staff member that um, you see the potential, don't be afraid to empower them and and to kind of give that little nudge and help them, help them take that risk. Because again, you could be helping shape the next generation of leaders. That brings us uh, to the conclusion. I, hey, Brian, this is your first time. What'd you think? First time. Loved it. I mean, it's just great to talk to you and think a little bit deeper about my journey and things like that. So I just appreciate your time. uh, Appreciate those that listen. And if anyone needs support or wants to reach out, you can find me on Twitter too. You can find our school website, Traverse Heights. We've got social media. We're trying to share all the amazing things that our staff and our students and our families are doing over here and would love to to connect with anyone that, that is open. That's fantastic. I appreciate it again, Brian. And and uh, as you as all of you listen in, uh, remember, get off of that island. You know, you don't be working in isolation. You've got a network of people willing to help and support you. Uh, we are better together. Really, is the gist of all of it. Thanks again, Brian. And uh, again, as you check this out, um, feel free to touch base with Brian on social media. Thanks again. Well, thanks again to our guest. Let's continue to connect and reflect, because that's what leaders do. Thank you to all of our listeners. Don't forget to check out hashtag MemspaChat Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can also find more leadership tools at memspa.org.